0: You're listening to the Bible Teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Our reading this morning is from Romans 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Sometimes agnostic secular voices have actually really important things to remind us about our Christian faith. And one of those voices is an author named Julian Barnes who wrote these words. He said, there seems little point in a religion which is merely a weekly social event as opposed to one which tells you exactly how to live, which colors and stains everything. What's what's the point of a faith unless you and it are serious, like seriously serious? Unless your religion fills, directs, stains, and sustains your life. This is really an important insight and statement for us coming from a, you know, an outside perspective. What he's essentially saying is that you have no business embracing a faith that doesn't fill everything. And so assuming that this is true... The question then is, how does this actually occur in us? How how do we experience this, you know, filling, directing, staining, and sustaining? How, How does everything that we confess to be true about Jesus, that he is the true son of God, that he came incarnate to live the life that we could not, that he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, that he rose again on the third day to bring us life and freedom and that he's making all things new. How do we get all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done into all that we are so that our Christianity, or more specifically, so that Jesus himself fills, directs, stains, and sustains our entire life? Paul's answer right here in Romans 8 is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that unites us with Jesus and all that Jesus has accomplished. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes certain that we experience this new life in an ongoing, life-changing way. Today is Pentecost Sunday perfect timing as we arrive at Romans 8 in our study through this year. Now, for those who are not familiar, Pentecost Sunday is the day on the church calendar where Christians around the world were united with Christians around the world today in celebrating the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the church when God's personal presence fell upon his people in Acts 2. And how? This is not just a memory from the past, but how the Holy Spirit continues to indwell and empower his people today. Can I get an amen? Now, for a large portion of the Pentecost Sunday, uh, sorry, Pentecost season, which is actually a long season in the church calendar, we're going to be slowing down to walk through the eighth chapter of Romans. And the reason is that in this chapter alone, there are 19 explicit mentions of the person of the Holy Spirit. And notice something. I said the person of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit is not a force. We do not refer to the the Spirit as an it. Shame, Shame on you it people out there. The Spirit is not an it or some impersonal force or some, you know, like Star Wars type force in the universe. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And. What we see in these first four verses is that when the Spirit comes into the life of the one who believes, and Paul is going to go on to show us that this is one and the same, being filled with the Spirit and believing in Christ are one and the same. You can't have the Spirit without having Christ, and you can't have Christ without having His Spirit. And when someone is filled with their Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, as Paul tells us here, they are freed and they are fulfilled. What does the Holy Spirit within mean for us today, today. And what we see in this passage is that the Holy Spirit brings, if you're taking notes, freedom and fulfillment. Freedom from condemnation and the bondage that we have to sin and death and the fulfillment of living the life that we couldn't live as the Spirit takes all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done and he makes it ours. Makes it ours. So let's look first at freedom, the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings to believers. Look with me again in verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So here's the breakdown. The way of sin brings condemnation. The way of the Spirit brings freedom. Sin leads to condemnation. The Spirit leads to freedom. Now, because as we've seen earlier in Romans, all have sinned, therefore all who are outside of Christ, those who have not trusted in Jesus, are condemned. They are under the sentence of death and hell. And yet, for those who have believed upon Jesus, those of us who are in Christ, we are freed. Now, what condemnation is, is the weight of a guilty verdict that hangs over someone, causing them to experience the spiritual and emotional and relational and I would even argue physical weight of this sentence that's upon someone. Martin Lloyd-Jones who wrote an excellent commentary on the book of Romans, said that most of our troubles, most of our inner conflicts, and I would even argue most of our interpersonal conflict stems from this, a sense of condemnation that we're struggling to shake. This is something that we all experience, whether we understand it or not, and it manifests in our lives In in a lot of devastating ways, for many people, we experience what, what is called the inner critic. The inner critic is that nagging voice that says, you are worthless. You are nothing. You could disappear and no one would care. You have no future. You have no purpose. God doesn't love you. You're too broken. You might as well give up and end it now. I'll never forget in the early years of reality, we had a midweek service attended by mostly high school and college students. And one night as we gathered, there was a kid that came that clearly he was under some sort of demonic influence. And so we huddled around as leaders and we began to pray for this young man. And I'll, I'll never forget it, with no prior knowledge of anyone there in the room, He, right as we're praying for him, he turns to one of our leaders who dealt with a lot of insecurity. They had a very loud inner critic, if you will. And with no prior knowledge of this leader, he begins to speak out all the things that this leader feared the most and saying it out loud, they don't like you. They don't want you here. You're not a part of the team. You're nothing. I still get the chills thinking about this moment. Like, clearly, this was demonic. But here's the deal. As intense as that moment was, what we have to recognize is that this is what the enemy is doing in our life every single day, whether we recognize it or not. The enemy is not only tempting us to sin, but then attempting to crush us with the weight of our sin. And attempting to crush us with the weight of our failures and and the ways that we've fallen short so that we begin to identify with the worst parts of us. So that we begin to identify with the ways that we fail and all of our shortcomings so that we who are freed, objectively freed in Jesus Christ, subjectively feel condemned. That's the trick of the enemy. To get those who are freed to feel condemned and those who are condemned to feel free. But as Paul points out, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We may feel condemned, but objectively no condemnation. Not later. Not when you're older. Not when you're more mature. Not when you got life figured out. Good luck, by the way. Not when you've Learn more about God or read your Bible more or pray more. Not when you've kicked your doubts, not when you've stopped those bad habits, not when you're a better Christian, not later. Now. Right now, with all of your faults and all of your failure, God has made up his mind about you. The verdict is already in. No condemnation. You're freed. J.B. Phillips translates this passage saying, no condemnation hangs over the head of those who are in Christ. I like that imagery. No, no condemnation hanging over us between us and God. Now, in our house, it's Trent's job to mow the lawn. That's how it works. That's why you have kids, to like have them do stuff, right? And, just kidding, because we love you guys. And... About a month or two ago, I decided to, the, to mow the lawn for him. And the reason was, is I just wanted to show him I love him and appreciate him. We put in a lot of time, uh, he's been working hard, taking an extra class in the morning, t- taking extra class in the afternoon, getting a head start at Delta, swimming two hours a day for water polo practice, five days a week. So I'm out there mowing the lawn for him, and then all of a sudden, he, he opens up the window and yells, stop! Stop. And he's telling me, stop mowing the lawn. I'll do it. I'm I'm going to mow the lawn. And I thought to myself, why at this moment is he refusing to allow me to mow the lawn for him? Now, it's probably because he's a responsible young man, right? And he's like, this is my, my job. I'm sure that that's part of it. But probably more likely... Because as much as I was trying to show them I appreciate them with zero strings attached, the truth is that's not the way I always interact with them or people in general. I may be alone in this, but I, like maybe some of you, have done things to hold it over people. I've done things to teach people a lesson. I've done things to have ammunition later. I'm going to hold on to that one. I'm going to pull that one out a little bit later. I've done things to leverage people and to manipulate people. I'm human, so I have mixed motives. And so I sensed suspicion in him, like, what's your angle, dad? You sneaky son of a gun. Why are you out there mowing my lawn? How, How is this going to play out later as you smile mowing my lawn, and later you come back with something? I don't know what it is, but I know it's coming. Listen and grasp this grasp the full weight of this right now for the child of god he's not hanging anything over our head for the believer nothing is hanging in the balance for the believer we're not bracing for something to come no hidden fees and charges coming around for us no condemnation it's gone And as Paul explains, the freedom that is ours in Jesus isn't simply the result of God clearing our name. This is not the result of God saying, you know what? I'm just going to let this go. You're off the hook. Get out of here, kid. Look at me in verse 3. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh. So how does God remove that condemnation from us? How do we get out from underneath the weight of that condemnation? It's not God just saying, well, I'm going to remove it from you and just kind of put it over here to the side. No, the truth of the gospel is that God absorbed it himself. This is how God can be both gracious and just at the same time. He absorbs it himself. In Isaiah 53, it describes Jesus like this. He was crushed. So think about the weight of condemnation. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, hanging over his head, was the chastisement that brought us peace. So this is what the gospel is telling us, that every ounce of its spiritually and emotionally and relationally and physically crushing weight came down on Jesus, every last ounce, so that every last ounce of God's love, approval, and welcome and grace could come down on us. So that as Paul would say in Ephesians 1, that grace could be lavished upon us. So now, for the believer, as we look up, nothing hangs over us except this His banner over me is love. And so, what the Spirit does, what He does is He takes the freedom that Jesus purchased for us on the cross and He brings it home to us. So that we're not just sitting here knowing it in our heads or even just simply believing it in our hearts. He brings it home so that we can experience it in all of our lives. Paul would say elsewhere where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Where's the spirit of God in his people? What is within God's people? Freedom. Freedom. The spirit is how God got the freedom of Jesus into us. Into us. And so, when the voice of condemnation speaks out, you're worthless, God doesn't love you, you're too broken, you might as well give up, the Spirit speaks out a better word and says, no, 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 you're beloved. You're chosen, you're set apart, you're free, you're mine. As I've reflected on this last year, what a whirlwind of a year. And as I've reflected on this last year, I've I've really prayerfully tried to discern why everyone feels so worn out and beat up. And I'm talking about the why beneath the why. The why is obvious. But like the why beneath the why. Why we as Christians are walking around feeling defeated. And I think part of the answer is that whether we know it or not, I think we're walking around with a sense of condemnation. I think we're not allowing the voice of the Spirit to define us and to speak that better word over our faults and our failure. I need you to pause and just think about your life right now and to think about all the expectations that are upon the 21st century person. The expectation, first and foremost, to be a social justice advocate where it's your responsibility to every single day stay in the know form an opinion describe that to the people around you but you've got to say it perfectly because if you don't say it perfectly you could be canceled and then there's the expectation of navigating through i don't know a global pandemic and doing it well where The rules around our lives are being modified just about every couple of months. Who you can be with, where you can be, where your child can be, what you're supposed to look like. And then let's not forget about the weight of like normal life responsibility like caring for a family and making sure your bills are paid and staying in shape and eating right and keeping your house clean. Oh, and staying married. And then don't forget, don't forget. On top of all that, you're supposed to dedicate your life to God and be the best Christian that you could ever be. How you doing? How, you doing, how are you doing at life? I think we've had far more opportunities to fail than to succeed. I don't know, I just get, just get the sense that you need to know this, that you're a failure and you're in a room full of failures. And that's who the spirit of God is drawn to, by the way. You're not killing it, neither are we. And if we're not steady and planted in this gospel truth, no condemnation, we are gonna walk around crushed by our sense of failure every single day. For the Christian, you need to hear the Spirit of God speaking over the areas of sin in your life, over the areas of weakness in your life, over the areas of failure in your life. No condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. Because that's the only verdict that's going to effectively change you. And that's the only verdict that's gonna motivate you to grow. So that you and I can actually take up our responsibilities with boldness and freedom. Because here's the deal. Liberation will always yield better fruit than condemnation. Liberation. You're freed. Amen? Amen. Secondly, and finally, fulfillment. What does the Spirit of God in our lives mean for us today? It means that we are fulfilled. Being filled with the Spirit assumes something. and, and, And what it assumes is that we, apart from God's indwelling, Are empty. There's an emptiness within us. To be filled by God means that we approach life on our own with a void. Tim Keller would put it this way, there's emptiness at the center of the human ego. It searches for something that will give it a sense of worth, a sense of specialness, and a sense of purpose, and builds itself on that. And of course, As uh, we are often reminded, if you try to put anything in the middle of the place that was originally made for God, it's going to be too small, and it's going to rattle around in there. I think we're experiencing that rattle right now. You see, because we can't stand that, that nagging sense that there's something missing, what we do intuitively is we frantically try to fill it. And we're probably, right now, in this season of life, probably most inclined, more than ever before, to fill the void. We try to fill it with things, we try to fill it with people, we try to fill it with relationships, we try to fill it with children, or food, or drink, or thrill, or adventure, or vacation, or a new job, or a new resume, or a new education, or fame, or prestige fill in the blank, all in order to alleviate that sense of emptiness so that we can feel fulfilled. And the truth is that we take good things. Think about that list I just mentioned. We take good things and we take them into our lives in the hope that they will expand to fill the void. And yet here's the irony. The more that we try to fill the God-sized void with things that are less than God, the emptier we find ourselves. Find the person with a lot of stuff in their life and you're gonna find an empty person frantically trying to fill. Dimitri Hamlin, uh, who's a journalist, he said this, is that all there is? Is that all there is? This is the question my generation is asking of a world that seems increasingly meaningless despite our outward progress and technological development. What is my generation and many of our generations here asking about the world and asking about life and asking one another, is this all there is? Seriously, like I expected more. Is this what life is? And the gospel emphatically proclaims, no. This isn't all there is. One of the, the more overlooked benefits of the Holy Spirit in our lives is fulfillment. But it's not necessarily the kind of fulfillment that we think of. We think of fulfillment as, I set out to accomplish some things, I accomplish them, I feel fulfilled. I, I wanted to do something, I set out, I did it, I feel, I feel fulfilled. But the Spirit brings an even greater fulfillment. And the fulfillment that the Spirit brings is the satisfaction of achieving God's goals and God's wishes. This fulfillment is seeing God's dream and his vision for our life actually coming to fruition in and through us. Look with me again in verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? In us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All that God has called us to be, all that God has commanded of us in his word, all that God has declared to be good and right and perfect and holy. In other words, all the things that we could not be on our own has been fulfilled. And not just, catch this, not just fulfilled for us, somewhere off in time and space in some abstract spiritual realm on some abstract permanent record with our name on it, you know, disconnected from our life, but now through faith and the indwelling spirit within us, fulfilled within us. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. God doesn't lower his standards to love us. God doesn't lower his standards to save us. God doesn't lower his standards to sanctify us. He meets them himself. And what Jesus accomplished for us 2,000 years ago, the spirit releases within us, today so that we can live like Jesus and so that we can love like Jesus and so for all the ways that you and I look back at our last year and we say I failed there and I failed there and I can't forget how I failed miserably over there and I was so overwhelmed I didn't even attempt anything over there and I was so bogged down I couldn't even think about that over there and I couldn't respond to that text message over there, and I couldn't even go there. I couldn't even think about that. And on and on and on, the Spirit reminds us of this. All that has been required of you has already been fulfilled for you. You need to hear that again. I don't think you did hear me. (laughs) All that has been required of you has already been fulfilled for you. So now, as we seek to live lives of justice, as we seek to be involved in meeting the needs of the people around us and caring for and being compassionate for a broken world, and as we seek to reflect the loving, kind nature of Jesus Christ to the people around us, we don't do it to receive a verdict from God. And we don't even do it to get a sense of fulfillment at the end of the day, we do it from a place of freedom and fulfillment that is already ours through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit amen so here's how I want to end today I want to read a quote uh, by an author named uh, J.C. Ryle and then what I want to do is I want to pray into this quote together but he said this pray daily and here's the application for the message by the way Pray daily for a great outpouring of the Spirit on the church and on the world. This is the grand need of the day. It's the thing that we need far more than money, machinery, and men. We need more of the presence of the Holy Spirit. More in the pulpit, can I get an amen? More in the congregation, can I get an amen? More in the pastoral visit, more in the school. Where he is, there will be life, health, growth, and fruitfulness, and where he is not, all will be dead, and tame, and formal, and sleepy, and cold. And let everyone who desires to see an increase of pure and undefiled religion pray daily for more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in every branch of the visible church of Christ. Amen? So what I want to ask you to do at this time, remember we're we're really leaning into these physical postures of worship before the Lord, because as the Bible tells us to raise our hands and kneel before him, it's not theoretical. So I want to invite you today, I can only do one because I'm holding this microphone, but to hold both hands out before the Lord in a, just a, a gesture and a posture of receiving from him. And I want to pray for just a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit upon his church. God, your word tells us, Ephesians 5, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once at our day of conversion. Not just once at some pinnacle worship experience, but in an ongoing way. And so our prayer is very, very simple today. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Breathe your life into us. Where there's coldness, bring your heat. Where there's death, bring your life. Where there's fear, bring faith. Where there's timidity, bring your courage. Where there's flesh, bring the power of the Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.